Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. I want to share some stuff with you out of the Word today. Um, I'm very excited to do so and give you a little bit of a glimpse into what I've been meditating on and thinking about a lot uh, over this past week. Next week, I'm going to start a series, actually, um, dealing with understanding the will of God for your life. Um, I believe that this is a issue or a concept, a topic that a lot of people uh, need clarity on. Um, you know, everybody wants to know what is God's will for my life, but oftentimes people don't know where to start with that. Uh, they don't know how to discern and determine what is God's will for their lives. Uh, we are in a world that presents us with literally tens of thousands of options every single day. Um, if you are connected at all with a smartphone or a computer or some screen in your life, you are presented constantly with options, constantly with ideas and distractions and thoughts. And in a world of so many options, it can be difficult to discern what is God's will for my life. What is the thing God wants me to focus on? And so uh, we want to be intentional to discover, discern, and, and walk in his will for us. And so I'm going to get into that as a series starting next week. I was thinking that I would do it this week, but I had some other stuff come up in my heart this week uh, that I wanted to share with you. And so that's what we're going to do this week. But uh, know that next week we're going to start talking about the will of God. Bring somebody that you know needs to know the will of God. First of all, bring yourself get out of bed, come to church, and be a good Christian, okay? And then bring somebody that also needs to know, like, what the will of God is for their life, okay? So, um, so we're encouraging you to do that next week. But this week, I want to talk to you out of the book of Daniel. So you can turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I suppose if I'm telling you to turn there, I probably should turn there as well. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, of course, is in the Old Testament. He's part of the prophets. He's one of the minor prophets. If you know your Bible theology, Daniel is one of the minor prophets. Daniel chapter 6. It's on page 782, <laughs> if you have my Bible, of course. Daniel chapter 6. We're gonna, I'm going to read you these three verses, and then we'll take a moment to pray and make our confession of faith. Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 and down through verse 3, says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. 
We're going to focus today on verse 3 of this passage, and I want to talk to you today about developing an excellent spirit. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come before your word. We come humbled and willing. We come ready to receive and to learn. We come ready to grow and to know who you are. Reveal your character. Reveal your nature. Reveal your heart for us out of these scriptures, we pray. Give us an excellent spirit, Lord. Give us a strong and mighty spirit upon the inside. Lord, let our hearts rise up with faith today that we might apprehend your will for our lives and do it to its fullest, we pray. Now, we thank you for these things. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings into our hearts light and wisdom and revelation and understanding. So do as you desire to do, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's put our confession of faith on the screens this morning, and we're going to make this confession out loud together. Say it and declare it with faith in your heart. Ready? Let's go. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. We believe that that's true. Amen. Back to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel, if you know anything about him, was one of the most important figures in Israel's history. He's one of the greatest faith heroes from the Old Testament. Uh, Most of us know Daniel because he survived an evening in a den of lions. Uh, But Daniel was known for a whole lot more than that, and he was much more important than just that evening that he spent in, you know, the lion's den. As amazing as that was, there's a lot to Daniel's life and a lot to his story. I want to look at um, these three verses and pick them apart for you for a few minutes, but it would do... um, it would do well for us to just get a little bit of backstory and a little bit of context to what's happening here uh, and, and where we get dropped in this story. Now, um, the Babylonians have taken over Jerusalem by conquest at this point in Israel's history. The Babylonians, the nation of Babylon, have taken over Jerusalem by conquest. That means they invaded. And uh, they've taken the people of Judah into captivity. This is one of the two times in Israel's history that another nation took them into captivity. Okay? The first time, who knows the first time the Egypt, well, I just gave it away by accident. (laughs) Who knows the first time uh, the Israelites were enslaved? It was in Egypt. The second time they were enslaved and taken into captivity was here in Babylon. This period of time... Uh, During this period of time, most of Jerusalem was abandoned, and most of the, the majority of the inhabitants of Israel were relocated into Babylon. This period lasts roughly from 609 B.C. to 515 B.C. You remember, when you're talking about B.C., the numbers go down instead of going up. So this lasted from 609 B.C. to 515 B.C. This period in Israel's history although negative, produced some of the most notable and significant stories and heroes of faith in the the Old Testament. It's amazing to me. This is an incredibly negative time in Israel's history, and it's the result of their disobedience. 
The reason that they got you know, captivated by these Babylonians is because they, they departed from God. Wicked kings rose up in the nation of Israel, took over the kingdom, and led the whole country in idolatry in all kinds of heathen, hedonistic practices. They abandoned the law of God. They abandoned the covenant of God. They stepped out from under God's protection, and so they got captivated. They got invaded, and they couldn't sustain their life, so they became enslaved by the nation of Babylon. This is an incredibly negative time for the nation of Israel, yet in that it became one of the most notable and significant times in Israel's history. Do you realize that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were contemporaries of Daniel. They were Daniel's buddies. Do you realize that the prophet Ezra came out of the Babylonian captivity? Nehemiah, anybody ever heard of Nehemiah, the wall builder? One of the most famous guys in Israel's history happened during Babylon. Queen Esther... Anybody remember Queen Esther? Any good little girls learn about Queen Esther in Sunday school? She came out of the Babylonian captivity. Daniel, of course, came out of the Babylonian captivity. This was a time that was marked with like incredible sadness in the nation of Israel and incredible victory at the same time. So if that doesn't prove to us that no matter how hard we miss it, no matter how much we abandon God, no matter how hard we go in the wrong direction, God is still willing to show up right in the middle of our junk and do some amazing, incredible, profound things. Here's a nation whose hearts were in rebellion towards God, and he still rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus still showed up in the fiery furnace. Here's a nation whose hearts were contrary to God, and the Holy Spirit still showed up to stop the mouth of the lions when Daniel got tossed into the lion's den. This is amazing. It shows the mercy and the heart of God for us that no matter how far and how hard we run from him, he'll meet us. As soon as our hearts begins to show the slightest bit of openness towards God, he'll meet us right where we're at. You may not have time for God this morning, but he's always got time for you. And he will get right in the ditch with you and start going to work on your situation and fixing your life. You can guarantee it. Amen? Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. Glory. All right, so (laughs) Daniel is probably one of the most notable, or probably the most notable figure, uh, Israeli figure, in this time period of Babylonian captivity because he was the one that had so much longevity. Uh, Daniel served under four different regimes in Babylon. Uh, which, by the way, is modern-day Iran. Um, That's, if you wanted to know, Iran and Iraq, that area of the country, uh, is what was former Babylon. This was an amazing kingdom. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world were the gardens of Babylon. This was a major, major race of people and kingdom of people. And it's interesting because Babylon represents the world. Babylon represents the world without God. Okay? And so here's the, this nation representing the world without God that takes God's chosen people into captivity and God raises up from his own people all these notable characters and Daniel was probably the most notable out of all of them. 
He had longevity within the kingdom. He served four different kings and regimes during his captivity. In other words, almost the whole time that Israel was in captivity, Daniel was an important figure in Babylon. He was not an important figure just in the Israeli community. He was actually super important in the nation of Babylon. So, to try to put that in context, imagine that uh, Canada invades. And <laughs> thank you for laughing. <laughs> imagine that Canada, eh, invades. And they take over the United States and, and, you know, all the Canadian Mounties storm Washington, D.C. And they're like, hey, we're here to take over, eh? And, and like, you know, sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we need the keys, eh? <laughs> so imagine that Canada invades. And, and this whole thing just becomes the United States of Canada. And all of a sudden, you become super important as an American in the Canadian government. God raises you up out of your people and you become distinguished and desirable in that new system, in that new regime. That's the scenario that Daniel finds himself in. He's not Babylonian. Why should anybody trust him? He's one of those dirty Israelis that we happened to capture last week. And now all of a sudden, God raises him up and he becomes one of the most important voices in the nation of Babylon. Kind of like Joseph. When Joseph, when the children of Israel were in, uh, in Egypt, God raised up Joseph. Here's an outsider that, that gains the vice presidency of Egypt. And it was the same way for Daniel. Here's this outsider that becomes one of the most important voices in the kingdom. Why am I telling you this? Because God wants to raise you up in a culture and in a community that doesn't share your values, that doesn't share the, the position that you have in your heart. The, the world may not share your affinity for Jesus, but if you can develop an excellent spirit on the inside of you, God will raise you up in a system that is foreign to you and give you a voice among the nations. Glory to God. So we want to talk about what is it that distinguished Daniel? Why does the scripture say he had a strong spirit? Or excuse me, he had an excellent spirit. Why was he so notable and why was he so important in this foreign government? Now, the verses that we're reading here, of course, Daniel has a whole book under his name, so there's a lot more than what we're just going to cover today. But if you can go through and, and take the time this week, I'd encourage you to read the whole thing. Daniel prophesies some amazing things. He has some incredible stuff happen to him. But what we want to focus on today is that Daniel had an excellent spirit. I want to read for you one more time these first three verses. It pleased Darius, that was the king, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Those are like government officials, okay? We don't use the word satrap. Uh, we probably should because it's cool. But um, he, he set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, verse 2, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. So now there's, get the picture, there's 120 localized government officials spread out throughout the nation of Babylon, and all of those 120 dudes answer to one of three guys, and Daniel is one of the three guys, right? 
Now, let's go on to verse 3. This is where it gets really cool. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. That's intense. Could you imagine, you know, most people are just trying to get a raise on the job. Could you imagine if you had such an excellent spirit on the inside of you that people were reaching out to you to try to promote you? I mean, this is, you, you got to understand, this is, this is in captivity. This is in a hostile environment. You think your work is a hostile environment? Try being a captive. Try being a refugee in another country. And somebody, because of your excellent spirit, somebody takes note of you and is like, that refugee right there looks pretty good. Let's, let's keep our eye on him. You know what? He's so good. Let's put him in charge of 120 people. You know what? He's actually better than the other two guys we got to do his job. Let's put him in charge of the whole thing. Wow. This is what an excellent spirit will do for you. This is what a heart and a mind that is so intensely devoted to excellence will do for you. Turns out... Excellence is important. Can I have a better amen than that? Turns out, you know, the floorboard in your car is important. Your sock drawer is important. The dust bunnies in the corner of your house, you know, somebody's watching that. Somebody's paying attention to that. Amen. I got frustrated with my daughter this morning because she spilled hot chocolate in the backseat of my car. And my kids know that I am fanatical about keeping my car clean. And I didn't always used to be fanatical about keeping my car clean. In fact, I used to be the one with all the Wendy's wrappers and the Chick-fil-A sauce containers and the empty cups and the dirty sock and the whatever in the back seat. I, I was driving, I had a car for almost seven years, a Subaru Forester, and I loved that car. But I beat the tar out of that car, and I didn't take care of that car. I mean, I took care of it. I changed the oil and stuff, but I didn't keep it clean. Because I thought, it's just a Forester. It's not a Lexus. It's not a Ferrari. So some ketchup fell down between the seat. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> did, you ever did you ever find a French fry that's like from high school? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just like, oh my God, where did that come from? So, I, so, I, so we backtracked a tad. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, so there's, I, I didn't care about my car. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me about excellence. He got a hold of me, grabbed me by the ear. Did you ever have a parent pull you by the ear when they want to get your attention? The Holy Spirit pulled my heart by the ear. And said, hey, bozo, why don't you start cleaning your car? And I said, Lord, I, why, why do I need to clean this car? It's not important to me. And he said, what makes you think that if you don't clean this car, I'll give you a better one? Okay, Lord. <laughs> so I went to Bubbles on 421, and I bought one of those monthly cleaning things where you pay one 20 bucks or 25 bucks a month and you can clean your car as many times as you want. And I started cleaning that Forester like a couple times a week. I'd run it through. I figured, shoot, I'm paying for it. I might as well drive through a bunch of times. <laughs> what happened was as I did that, I began to get fanatical about it. 
I cleaned that beat up car. Now there's stuff going wrong in the car. It's old. Y'all, it had 250,000 miles on it. I drove this thing. Yes, that is an achievement. I drove this thing till it couldn't run anymore. Perry will tell you, he, he, his guys worked a lot on that car. And towards the end of its life was when I started to embrace this excellence. And as I did, I could feel things change on the inside. I don't know how to explain it other than God started to really get a hold of my heart concerning excellence. And towards the end, the Lord showed me a better car that I could get. And I bought a better car, a much nicer car. This one's got leather, praise God, and wood grain, praise God. It's classy. And so now, the habits that I maintain in my newer, nicer car were the habits that I began in my dirty, busted car. Amen? You see, God will not allow you to move forward in the kingdom of God in terms of responsibility until you can master where you're at. You don't get to go to the next phase until you can master the phase that you're in. That requires discipline. It requires, you know, putting down your, your own self sometimes, telling your flesh to shut up when you, when you want to lay down. I want to go home and go to sleep. I don't want to go to the car wash and wash my car. Come on. You see, excellence and faithfulness are open doors in God's kingdom. So Daniel stands head and shoulders above the crowd because of one thing, and that is his excellent experience, or excuse me, his excellent spirit. Now this is the passage that if we were to keep reading, this is the passage where Daniel ends up in the lion's den. But we're just going to take these three verses. What is, my question for you today, what is an excellent spirit? If this was the thing that caused Daniel to rise up above the rest of the, the, the governors and the satraps, what is an excellent spirit? What does that look like? See, I want to be practical. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to teach about it. What is an excellent spirit? What does it look like? I wrote down three things. I encourage you to write them down as well. What is an excellent spirit? It's one that stands out in the crowd. Right? What's an excellent spirit? It's one that stands out in the crowd. Number two, what is an excellent spirit? It's one that can be trusted. Number three, what is an excellent spirit? It's one that's fit to rule. Selah. <laughs> it's one that's fit to rule. Wasn't it Jesus that said that the person who's faithful over little shall be the ruler over much? See, most of us want the promotion without the discipline. <laughs> Come on, say amen to that, man. Say amen or say ouch. I don't care, whichever one. Just tell me that you're alive. <laughs> Most of us want the promotion without having to go through the discipline that's required to steward the promotion. You see, if God put his best in your lap without you being prepared for it, his best would smush you. Amen. I mean, if you, listen, anybody play football when they were little? 
like Pee Wee, a couple of people. You know, imagine you're in your, you're eight years old and you're in your Pee Wee outfit. You're in your little, you know, little tykes football outfit. And imagine somebody throws you into a college football game and hands you the ball. What happens? You die. Effectively, right? I mean, you're just going to get destroyed and murdered on the field. Why? Because you're not big enough and strong enough and capable enough to have the ball in a college football game because you're only eight years old. What has to happen? Oh, well, you got to hit the gym. Your legs got to get longer. You got to grow. You got to go. You got some time that needs to pass. Everybody wants the harvest, but they don't want to plant the seed and they don't want to, you know, sit during the time while the seed grows. Oh, I'm talking to you this morning, yo. So what's an excellent spirit? What's it look like? It stands out in the crowd. It can be trusted. And it's one that is fit to rule. Now, how can we learn, once we've kind of discuss what an excellent spirit looks like, how can we learn from Daniel's um, example, how can we learn from Daniel's example of an excellent spirit, and how can we develop an excellent spirit within us? Don't you want to know? I do. (laughs) Well, let's look at this verse, and there's a few things we'll take out of it. There's four things in specifically that we can learn from Daniel's example. Number one, Daniel distinguished himself. Look at verse 3 one more time. Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps. This shows Daniel's commitment to intentional internal development. Let me say it again for those taking notes, all one of you. Just kidding. Daniel distinguished himself. This shows Daniel's commitment to intentional internal development. Daniel was committed to developing Daniel. Everybody wants to be the leader of 50 other people, but nobody wants to be the leader of the guy in the mirror. Come on, y'all. Everybody wants to be, oh, give me a ministry, Pastor. Let me run this team. Well, can you run yourself? I love what John Maxwell says, man. He said, Maxwell teaches us that leadership starts by leading the guy in the mirror. Amen. Dave Ramsey. Y'all ever heard of Dave Ramsey? Some people love Ramsey. Some people hate Dave Ramsey. But I love what Dave Ramsey said. He said, "If if I could just fix the guy that I shave with every morning, then I'll be fine. Right? See, can you lead yourself? Can you, let me put, let me make it real practical. Can you keep your attitude in check before you have to manage some other attitudes? Can you be on time before you have to manage somebody else's schedule? Can you, can you present yourself well before you're in charge of keeping other people presenting themselves well? If it doesn't work at home first, it's not going to work, you know, at large. That's why Paul tells Timothy, don't put a novice in a place of leadership. Why? They can't handle it. He said if a a deacon or a bishop or an elder can't keep their own kids, you know, together, how will they lead in the body of Christ? Oh, say ouch with me because this one hurts. Ouch. Amen. It's like we're in the gym pumping iron right now. 
I'm your spotter. I'm your spotter. I'm going to help you get through these next few reps. Come on, somebody. Daniel distinguished himself. Daniel's commitment was to intentional, internal development. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean for just a second. It doesn't mean that Daniel went around promoting himself. Because we could, we could really mis, misconstrue this scripture, right? It says Daniel distinguished himself. We could really mess that up. Daniel did not run around talking about everybody look at Daniel. Hey, it's all about me. No. What did he do? He was committed to excellence internally and intentionally, which forced him to stand out in the crowd. You don't have to toot your own horn when your commitment to excellence does it for you. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to toot your own horn when your internal commitment to excellence does it for you. I don't have to go to the apple tree and ask it what kind of tree it is. Why? Because there's apples hanging off of it. The fruit of your life will speak for itself so that you don't have to go around self-promoting. You can actually just internally be dedicated and committed to excellence to the degree that your excellence begins to broadcast before you even get there. One of the most disappointing things in the world is when you meet a person that doesn't live up to what other people have said about them. Ever had a leader that in private let you down but in public motivated you? You see, we need to be the kind of people that aren't out there propping up our, our uh, reputation. But we need to be the kind of people that are committed to being intentional about developing ourselves internally so that we don't have to prop up our reputation. When we go out into the community, our reputation speaks for itself. Let the tree bear fruit and let people judge the fruit. You don't, have to, you don't have to be out there talking about, look how great I am. Just your life and your excellence by itself does that for you. Daniel distinguished himself, not by self-promotion, but by an internal commitment to, uh, and dedication to excellence. Did you ever get around somebody that was so excellent it made you want to adjust your life? <laughs> Did you ever get around somebody whose house was so clean that you're like, oh God, if I could just be like them? Amen. Amen. I was talking to Vanessa Hensley last week about it. The Hens, if you've ever been to the Hensley's house, it's spotless. It's perfect. I'm talking about the flies are vacuuming. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about like everybody has got a role and a job in that, in that house. And it's perfect. It's perfect. Every single time I'm in their house, it stirs me to go home and clean mine. What is that? Excellence. Excellence. You see, I believe, see, we're in this new building, and we're not going to make a big deal of it because we're coming into winter, and everything's fixing to die here pretty soon anyways, or hibernate. But you know what? Next spring, we're going to get out there and put some mulch down. We're going to get out there and trim the bushes. We're going to get out and make this place more beautiful. Yeah, but you don't own the building. Who cares? Who cares? We are a representation of God in our community. Why would we not do everything with excellence? Why would we not go to the best of our ability to make this place a praise in the earth? 
The Bible says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem until Jerusalem becomes a praise, a herald in the earth. I believe everything we do ought to tell the story of how good God is. Glory to God. I didn't think I was going to have this much fun preaching this this morning. Y'all are a good crowd. Number one, Daniel distinguished himself. Number two, Daniel was faultless because he was faithful. (laughs) Daniel was faultless because Daniel was faithful. Look at verse four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. See, his bros started to get a little bit jealous. Governors and satraps sought to find a charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. What does an excellent spirit do? It's a a spirit that's faithful. Let me put it in simpler terms for you. Faithful is another word for consistent. Consistent. Part of the problem with church people is that we are some of the most inconsistent human beings on the planet. Hello. We're some of the most inconsistent folks. We stand up on Sunday, say, hallelujah, we love Jesus, praise the Lord, glory to God, and then Monday, we live like none of that matters. We're late for everything. Yeah. Amen. Preach, preacher. I could tell you so many stories of my own life of how I was late. Did I ever tell you the Thurman time story? No. Sean knows the Thurman time story, I think. I was late for youth group. I was a leader in our youth group when we were in high school. And I had gotten my license and driving around and I had flexibility and freedom. I didn't have to go to church when my parents went to church anymore. I could go whenever I wanted. So I started to become late for everything. And one time, I was about 15 minutes late. Service was, you know, youth service was supposed to start 15 minutes ago. And I was playing the piano and singing. That was my part of my job. So I came in the back door where the cool people came in, the people that, you know, had responsibility go in the back door. And there was my youth leader and some of our youth compadres talking about, where's Josh? We can't start until he gets here. And my youth leader said this, and it made me so angry, and it made me so sad, and it made me so frustrated all at the same time. He said, oh, don't worry, he'll be here, he's on Thurman time. It bothered me, it bothers me right now telling the story. I can feel my neck getting hot just talking about it, right? It bothered me to my core. And you want to know what bothered me the most? Was that he didn't say Josh time, he said Thurman time. And I said, oh dear God, I'm heaping reproach upon my family's name. It's not just me that's, that's being looked at. Everybody I'm connected to with my last name has just been grouped into this group of people who are perpetually late. I've got to change. That experience put in me a punctuality. Now, I'm not always perfect, but I'm a heck of a lot better than I used to be. You'll notice I'm typically, with the exception of this morning, I'm I'm typically like the first person here. Why? Because I want to be excellent. I want to walk in excellence before the Lord, and I want to be consistent. Look at verse 10 of this chapter. You doing okay? 
Two more points and then we'll be done. Look at verse 10 of this chapter about Daniel's consistency. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room of his windows, he was, had them open towards Jerusalem. He prayed, basically. Daniel consistently prayed. Watch what the last line says. As was his custom since early days. As was his custom since early days. Daniel was so consistent that he began a custom of prayer in his early days that he took with him into this Babylonian captivity, and he never let that custom shake. He kept with it. He stayed consistent. Can you be the kind of people that the world can look to when they need help because they know that you're consistent? That's who I want to be. That's what I want to be for the community around me is that, oh man, I want to go talk with Josh because every time I get around him, he encourages me. And I want to go talk to Brianne because every time I get around her, she speaks something good into my life. What's that? That's consistent. That's consistent. Daniel was consistent. Number three, Daniel was spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. This verse is a continuation of that thought, verse 10, that we're already looking at. What's he doing? He's praying. You see those other governors and satraps, they, they convinced, they conned King Darius into making a law that said nobody could pray because they knew that Daniel was praying every day because he was super consistent. So they conned him in to making this law. And you know what? Daniel, in the midst of that, remained spiritually centered and spiritually minded. Amen. Y'all look up here. Daniel was spiritually minded. He cared more about his commitment to God than he did about other people's opinion of him. He cared more about his commitment to God than, a, than he did about other people's opinion of him. He had a hunger to honor the living God. He knew, I'm breaking the law by praying, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to do it with my window open. <laughs> this caused him to tap into the grace of God. It caused him to access God's favor on his life. That a few verses later, when he gets tossed into the lion's den, he don't die. Why? Because there was some supernatural power. There was some supernatural protection. There was an enablement from heaven that kept him safe. Why? Because he was spiritually minded. Number four, don't unhook. We just got another minute or two left. Are you still with me? Number four, Daniel's standards were higher than those of the culture that he was in. Oh, if there was, oh, if I could just get young people to understand this concept. For some reason, it's so much harder when you're younger than it is, I think, when you get older. But Daniel didn't, he had higher standards than the standards of the culture that he was in. Look at verse 5 real quickly. We'll see this. Then these men, that's the governors and the satraps, the uh, Daniel's amigos that were angry with him. 
Then these men said, we shall not find any charged against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. That's amazing to me. Let me paraphrase that for you. Daniel is so good at everything that if we judge him against us, we already lost. I wrote it this way in my notes. The only way that his enemies could find anything against him was on his terms. He had such a high standard that if they were to compare themselves to Daniel, they were already at a disadvantage. Daniel operated on such a higher level. These dudes know that Daniel maintains a higher standard than they do. So in order to hurt him, they have to do it according to Daniel's standards, not theirs. That's profound. That's intense. Thank you, phone. My phone just beeped. Good Lord, shut up. My phone just beeped at me to tell me to be quiet. My timer, that's my timer. I don't know about you. I want to be the kind of people that when we go out into the world, our standards of excellence are so much better than the, than the people that are around us that they can't find any problem with us. That even when they look, they go, well, gee, I'd love to, I'd love to pin them for something, but man, he gets here earlier than we do. And he stays later and his work is better than ours. And um, man, he always has the right attitude. He's always got something good to say in the meeting. Uh, you know, I'd love to say that he's failing, but no, his book of business is stronger than our book of business. And he's better with the customer than we are. And man, his family's really in line. And I just, man, I, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. Why is that? Because Daniel didn't operate on the same standard that they operated on. He had a kingdom standard that went above and beyond the world that he lived in. The culture dictated one thing to him, and he dictated back to the culture, that's not good enough for me, I've got to be up here. I believe Christians ought to be the best employees. I believe that they ought to be the best, if you're, in a, if you're a salesperson, I believe you ought to be the best salesperson in the universe at your job because for no other reason than you're just a believer and you got a higher standard than the rest of them dudes. I think it's sad when we get outpaced, when we get outpaced by people who don't love Jesus the way we say we love Jesus. Living according to the kingdom of God will cause you to live at such a high level of life that your normal should outshine everybody else's best. Everybody else is at a disadvantage just because you show up. I don't know about y'all, but that's my, that's my prayer for my kids. Brianna and I have talked about that so many times. We don't want to let our kids be these participation trophy kids. You know? I'm thankful for one other parent in the room that agrees with me. I don't want my kids to be one of these folks that just, that, that, that every time they get into a tough situation, the bar gets lowered for them. I don't want that. I want the bar to be perpetually and consistently high for them, not because I'm angry at them or because I hate them, but actually because I love them. And if they'll, if they'll operate on a higher standard, they'll, they'll be the best just by showing up. Because their standard will be so much higher than the world around them. We have a culture that is dictating to us a perpetually lowering standard. The more time goes on, the lower the bar gets set in society. We as the kingdom of God have to stand up and say, that, that's not good enough for me. Yeah. As for me and my house, here's where we're going to be. Yeah. 
We're going to raise leaders. We're going to raise champions. We're going to raise kings among men. We're going to raise queens among women. We're going to raise the kind of people that the world wants to be like so that when they come to us and ask us, how did you do it? We can point all the glory back to the one that we serve. We can point all the glory back and say, hey, you know what? There's a reason that I get here before you. There's a reason that I got more sales than you. There's a reason why my attitude is better than yours, not because I'm better than you, but because he is my king, because my champion set this standard for me, and because his grace empowers me to be victorious. That's why I'm always winning. That's why I'm always doing good on the job. I can't tell you, this is not not to brag on me, or my wife, we just have great kids. We have fantastic kids. I can't tell you how many times we've been sitting in a restaurant and somebody has come up to us with all three of our girls and said, your kids are so well behaved. They just tell us, that, man, good job. Do you know what I always do? Always. I say, talk to their mom. She's, she's the champ. Amen. I believe that everything should be like that. People come to you. You know, I'm going to brag on Perry for a minute. He just, he just left a, a job that he'd been at for 10 years or longer. And he, he had one of the best stores in the company. And this is a company, first of all, that had, what, 27 stores when it was Clark Tire? And he was the top two all the time, every single month. He used to call me and show me the numbers. Because we, 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 we talk about this kind of stuff. We talk about excellence all the time, he and I. And so we talk, and he's like, bro, look at my numbers this week. And the best weeks were the weeks that he outdid the other store in town, which was twice as big as his store. Yeah. And I'd be like, go get him, bro. And then that company got acquired by a big company, and he became one of 1,100 stores and still registered in the top consistently. The big bosses are coming to his store asking him, how does he do it? Do you know how many people Perry has been able to point to Jesus over the last five, ten years just because of the excellence that they see in him? That's the way we ought to live in our community. People ought to knock on our door and say, why is this working so well? What are you doing? And then we get the privilege of introducing them to our inspiration. Let me tell you about the King of Kings. Let me tell you about Jesus. Why are you the best at what you do? Because Jesus lives big in me. And he is causing me to to shine in my community. He is causing me to be a benefit to the world around me. I want that for you. I want that for your business. I want that for your family. I want that for your relationships. I want that for your life. I want that for this church. See, we've got to shift the culture. We've got to shift the culture of ourselves. I'm talking to us now. I'm talking about to family, high country Christian church family. We have to shift the culture. There's a reason we haven't outgrown this building yet. There's a reason we haven't burst out with numbers. It's not because the anointing's not strong. It's not because our services aren't good. We have great services. We have a decent preacher. We have really good worship. Amen. We have really good worship. We have a stellar kids program. What do we need to do to grow? We need to do one simple thing, tweak the culture. That's it. 
as we tweak the culture and we raise our level of excellence, everyone will take notice. God will be glorified in our community. Non-Christian people will be wanting to come to check out our church and see why people love it so much. Amen. It's important that we develop a spirit of excellence, an excellent spirit. Daniel stood above them all because he had an excellent spirit. How can you do that in your life? Take those four points. Take those four things that Daniel did and commit to practicing them in your life every day. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.